The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. So uh, for you who've been around for just even a couple of months, you know that our new theme for this ministry is faithful. And one of the aspects of that theme is looking at how we can be faithful in using the things that God has given us for His purpose and for His glory. In other words, to be good stewards, to be faithful stewards of all that God has entrusted us. And so I I, I wanted to spend a few weeks um, looking at this idea of serving. And so we are beginning today a new series, uh, and we're calling it A Healthy Serving. And that's really what we want. We want our church to be characterized by a healthy attitude to serving. Now, right from the bat, I want to acknowledge that uh, three things about this series. One, it's a really, really difficult time to be talking about this. The reason being that many of us, given the last two years, are probably feeling really exhausted, really drained, really overwhelmed. Um, You know, uh, I've heard that volunteerism across the board is, uh, in churches, is on a massive decline. Uh, Many of my pastor friends, uh, like me, who are musicians, have found themselves back on the stage leading worship or playing drums or whatever it might be, because they just don't have the teams. Um, and it's, it's across every church. And my supervisor was telling me it's not just in churches. The volunteerism in our society has also declined from about a third of the population to now about a quarter of the population. So it's, it, it's everywhere. And to have this conversation right now about serving, yeah, it's probably not what you want to hear. I acknowledge that. And because of that, I also want to say that I'm not here to guilt trip you. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm not here to coerce you or force you into serving. That, that's not the Jesus way at all. And it's certainly not the PCC culture of serving that I want to be a part of. I want to create a culture where we serve out of a healthy place and a right heart. And, you know, like we've always said, we value you as people. And so in this series, yes, we're going to come across, we're going to come across passages in the Bible that will challenge us that will perhaps convict us. And I hope more than that, that will encourage us, that will inspire us, that will motivate us in a good and a healthy way to serve God. So please hear me. if, If I'm coming across in a way that's trying to manipulate you or pressure you or coerce you, please let me put this caveat right out there from the beginning. That's not my intention at all because that achieves nothing other than buying you and buying the need maybe another six months. And I'm not interested in that. And the last thing I want to say is that this is a scary series for me to preach right now because it may mean that some of you will go, you know what, you're right, I'm serving with the wrong attitude. I should stop serving. (laughs) And our already depleted team will be depleted even more. And I get that. And I'm willing to take the risk for two reasons. One, because I trust God that he's the one that builds his church and he will meet every need that we have. And if we can't do something, then we won't do something. Because the second reason being that we value you and your relationship with Jesus more than what you do for Jesus. 
Now, I keep saying that over and over again. That is a core value of PCC. We value you and your relationship with Jesus more than what you do for Jesus. So I'm willing to take the risk. Scary, but I'm willing to take the risk. So as a starting point, let me show you a picture. When you think about your Christian journey, does it feel and look a little bit like this picture? I know mine has from time to time. It, it, it does feel like that, often, hard. And particularly in a lot of the last two years, even harder because you, you're sitting there going, I'm a Christian and I'm experiencing all of the challenges and hardships and difficulties that my non-Christian friends and family are experiencing. Only now I have some added stuff that I've now got to carry because I am a Christian. Like I got to go to church every Sunday. Like what's that all about? My, my friends don't have to do that. And when we've been on holidays, we see how the other half live. They're out there on days like today at the beach and having picnics and in cafes having brunch at 11 o'clock. And they get two days to sleep in. And maybe you've thought, you know, that 10% I've been giving what I could have done in the last two years with that money. And you've got to do this thing like obey Jesus and, and, and think about what's going on in your heart and forgive people and all that stuff. That you have. I wouldn't have to do any of that if I wasn't a Christian. And we come to, you know, this promise that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 11 where he talks to this picture and he says, come to me, all who are heavy laden and weighed down and I will give you rest for your soul. And we read that and we go, that hasn't been my Christian experience. Well, that certainly hasn't been mine. And you wonder, where's the problem? Why is there this disconnect between what Jesus promises and our experience of that? And we see this heightened even more when it comes to serving. Because from my experience and maybe from yours, serving often isn't the joy and the delight that it's supposed to be. It feels like just another pile on the top of that backpack. And here's my question. If Jesus, our Savior, is the one that we're serving, isn't he the greatest boss in the whole universe? Like, seriously? So then where is the disconnect? Where's the problem? I want to suggest to you that it's not with Jesus. I want to suggest to you that it's not with his promise because his promise is true. So perhaps the problem is with you, with me with something that's going on in our heart, with something that we've missed, with something that we've got wrong. And so this morning, I want to look at that, and I've entitled my sermon, The Heart of Serving. Because before we talk about anything else, we really need to deal with some of these root issues. And this morning is a two-part series, this week and next week. I want to look at some of the unhealthy attitudes that maybe are driving our serving, that's leading us to feel the weariness in our soul. And next week, I want to look at some of the wrong ideas and wrong attitudes that we might have of people, ourselves and others, that may be driving an unhealthy serving. 
So this morning, three things about maybe our perception of God and our attitude towards God and, and maybe how we see and understand God and our serving in light of that, that may be leading to an unhealthy form of serving that's just crushing us. And I hope that as we do this, that you will be able to see into your own heart. And as we've often done with our series, I'm anchoring this series in a book, uh, and it's called Serving uh, Without Sinking. Um, and you can get a copy of this book if you want. I mean, we'll be covering many of the chapters because I read this book a while ago, and God used this to really convict my heart about my serving, even as a senior pastor. And I was deeply challenged and convicted to re-examine why I do what I do. And as I was thinking about the different preaching series I wanted to do this year as part of our faithful theme, this was one of the things that God put on my heart and the Holy Spirit brought this book back into my memory and I was looking at it and I went, yes, I think this is a word for us for today, for this year, to really re-examine our hearts around this topic of serving. So let's jump in. Firstly, we can serve Jesus because we want to attain a standard of goodness or get his approval or please him in some way. And this is, oh, it's not up here. Okay, help me, Jesus. And, 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 and doing this in a way, and I put, this, I put some pictures up in this topic to give the visual learners something to hang on to. And think of a pole vaulter. This is a great way to think about this. You know, and when we read our passage in Luke 18, we're talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And, and he says this to some, Jesus teaching on this, he says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now, we read that and go, oh, boo, Pharisee, bad. But in Jesus' day, the Pharisees were the heroes. These guys were respected and thought of being as the pious and the spiritual and the godly people. And even here, we see this guy, he's thankful to God for his life. We, we can see that he's a moral, upstanding person. We can see that, you know, he's, uh, he's generous. He gives, you know, twice a week. We, we see that he's, he's faithful and he's committed to God. And he's coming from this place of understanding God's holiness. And he really, really wants to be holy like God. All of those things are really good and noble things. So what's the problem? The problem was that he was banking on that, counting on that being what will get him approval with God. That that would somehow be his ticket to heaven. That when God looked at his life and his resume, God would go, yep, you're in. Tick, I approve of you. And Jesus makes it very, very clear here that that's not going to hold any water. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. It was the, the sinner that was approved by God, not the guy who was bringing his accomplishments, his achievements, his good works, his resume to God to earn his approval. Like the pole vaulter, the, the Pharisee was using his good works as the pole to get him over the standard so he could clear the bar and go, see God, I've done it. 
Now, if, if we're gospel-believing Christians, we, we all know, yeah, of course I know my good deeds don't save me. Of course I know that no amount of charity and serving and Bible reading, coming to church, I know none of those things save me. I'm saved by grace, through faith. I'm, I'm saved by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That's what makes me a Christian. That's what gives me the assurance of eternity with God. That's what makes me a child of God. We, we get that. But here's the thing. Sometimes when we are Christians, we rely on our good works to keep us saved. How do I know that? Well, Galatians, Paul told those Christians, you started off so well in the spirit, understanding grace, understanding the new life you have in Christ. And now by works, you're trying to maintain your approval with God. You're trying to maintain your right standing. You're trying to maintain clearing the high jump bar or the pole vaulting bar still with your good works and your efforts. Don't you realize that Jesus has already done that for you? And this is the danger when we think that our serving keeps us saved, keeps getting our approval, keeps bringing Jesus' love to us and keeps achieving his forgiveness and keeps assuring us that we still have our ticket to heaven because we serve him. But see, the Bible says in Ephesians that we are seated in heavenly places with God. We, we, already, we've already cleared the bar. In Christ, Jesus has done that for us. Jesus has done the thing that we can never do to make us holy. It's a righteousness that we receive from him freely. See, the problem with thinking this way is twofold. One, it, it'll, if you serve this way, it'll lead you to a constant state of anxiety and worry and uncertainty because you'll always wonder, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Have I had a good week this week? Have I ticked off enough boxes? Have I prayed enough, given enough, served enough? Have I done enough to, to get God's smile and his approval? This constant state of doubt and uncertainty and anxiety. Or the other way we can often end up is just giving up. Because we're so aware of God's holiness. We're so aware of Jesus' high standard of perfection. We're so aware of how awesome Jesus is. And we know that we don't love like Jesus. We're not gracious like Jesus. We don't treat people like Jesus does. We don't speak to people like Jesus does. We don't give sacrificially like Jesus. We know we're so aware of that. And we look at that bar and we go, there's no way. I can't do this anymore. It's just too hard. And we shut down. And yeah, we might keep coming to church, we might keep going through the motions, but our heart is far from God. And I want to encourage you, examine your heart. If there's any, any sense of you serving or giving or doing whatever, and not just at church, primarily we're going to be focusing on church, but this relates to your home or your workplace or your community or wherever you give of your time, your money, your energy, wherever you volunteer of yourself, where you're not being paid to do something. And if you're doing it to earn Jesus' approval, beware, because it will suck your soul dry and it will leave you shriveled up and burdened. The second way that we can fall into the trap of serving in an unhealthy way, and I, this is me, big time, serving Jesus to get from Jesus. This is about the exchange, the barter. And we do this, I do this, let me own this. 
I do this. And the, the best example of this is a few chapters back in Luke, in chapter 15, where Jesus tells the story of the two brothers, the prodigal brothers. And we see this heart in the older brother. And you, you're very familiar with this story, but I, I want to pick up from verse 25. It says, Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, this is where it's really, really interesting. We see his heart. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. What an interesting word to use. He's a son, right? I'm slaving for you and, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. That's serving to get. You see, we, we, we look at the younger brother and we go, oh man, he's a, he's a rotter. You know, he went off and squandered the family wealth. But the older brother, he's a pretty solid guy. He's, he's still at home, he, you know, and all the ethnics will love this. He's still at home. You know, he's serving faithfully. He's doing what I'm telling him to do. He's following my instructions. He's a good son. He's a good son. He's working hard out in the field while the younger brother, he's just a rebel. He's just, you know, whatever. But we see that when you actually look in closer to their heart, they're much the same. The same selfishness, the same lack of love for the father and a desire for his stuff. The younger son just takes it when he can and heads off and spends it all. The older brother, he's been working and working and working and serving and serving and hoping that he will just get one day all that's coming to him. This is a way of serving to, to make the father owe you To make the father in, in your debt. This is the older brother mad and he's angry because he's been doing that faithfully year in, year out, year in, year out. And he hasn't even got a goat to go and have a party with his friends. I've been here. And just again, in, in being real and honest with you, I, I wrestle with this in the first few years of being here at PCC. Because when... when we came, we really wanted to be good pastors. We wanted to do good. We wanted to make sure we were doing everything right. We prayed and we read and, you know, studied the word and be faithful in everything we're doing and, and, and all of those things. And again, I thought, God, because this can be expressed in three different ways, right? This idea of serving to get, one way you can express it in a positive way, in a hopeful way. And this is, you know, like, and many of you might find yourself in this one. And this is where I find myself. Where you say, God, if I do all this stuff, then you'll look after my ministry. The church will go well and, you know, people will get saved and amazing things will happen. And, you know, that, and that's a good thing, right? You know, God, you, you, you want your church to grow. You want people to get saved. So, you know, come on, just do what you want to do. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do my part. You just do. You. And when those things don't happen, you go, well, God, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I did my part. Where's your part? The other way this can express itself is negatively, fearfully, where we kind of 
every week we go, oh, I know why that happened to me. I know why I didn't get the job promotion. I know why this, it's because I didn't do enough. If I'd prayed more, if I'd, you know, started my day in prayer, then my day would have gone really well. You know, if bad things happen, oh, you know, I, I, I should have been serving more. I should have been blessing people more. Can you see the danger of thinking that way? It, it cripples you. It brings you into bondage. Fear. And the third way it expresses itself is in anger and bitterness, as we see here. And, and the first two often lead to the third. Often lead to the third. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've said stuff like, God, I, I, I did this stuff. I served you. I gave. I prayed. I, I, you know, I made coffee for years. I put up with people's rubbish. And you know, I ran kids' church. And those snotty brats, they were all over me. And I you know, sacrificed for you. And I did all this stuff for you. And I, all I wanted was a goat to party with my friends. And you, you can't even give me that. All I wanted was a child. All I wanted was a spouse. All I wanted was fill in the blanks. That's all I asked for. And nothing. Dangerous. But we, 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 our hearts take us there. Serving to get. This last one is a really interesting one, tricky one. This is serving Jesus to pay him back. To pay him back. It's not that we think God owes us, but we are just so overwhelmed by how much we owe God for saving us. And often people who've come from a really difficult background and come to faith in a, a remarkable, miraculous way wrestle with this one even more. God, I used to be this and that and the other. And God, I'm so thankful that you saved me. I'm going to just devote my whole life. I'm going to become a nun or a priest or, you know, like you hear stories like that. And the thing, the thing that makes this really tricky and challenging, and this is, these are often the, 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 the worst deceptions when there's an element of truth in here. Because there are passages, right? right? Romans 12.1 that tells us that in view of God's mercy, Present your body as a living sacrifice. Oh, here's another example. 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for all, so we shouldn't live for ourselves. We should live for him who died for us. And so we, we take those scriptures seriously. And, and we go, yeah, well, that's what I'm doing. Je Jesus, I owe you so much for saving me. I'm going to devote my whole life as a living sacrifice to just serve you. To, to pay you back uh, the debt for saving me. It sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds biblical. It sounds plausible. And maybe you've heard people teach that. Maybe I've even taught that and said that. See, because here's the grain of truth. Gratitude is a right attitude to have in serving. But here's the problem. Gratitude alone is not enough. Because gratitude can take you in two different directions. One is it can take you to indebtedness. That's what we're talking about today. And again, I don't want to generalize, but from my experience, most ethnics would know what this is like. Parents tell their kids, do you know all the sacrifices I have made for you? Now you owe me. Right? We, we know this. We know what it's like when we're invited to a wedding. 
And we go, oh, man, that means I've got to invite them to my kid's wedding. <laughs> Am I striking too close to the heart? <laughs> so we know, we know this, we get this, right? We, 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 we operate with this indebtedness. But here's the problem with indebtedness. Firstly, it, our serving becomes about us because it makes us feel good that somehow we're paying back. Because none of us want to be in debt, right? We hate debt. And so whenever we, with your mortgage, any debt, your credit card, how good does it feel when you pay part of it back? And we bring that to our serving with God. And it becomes about us. It feels so good when we serve because it feels like, God, I've paid you back a little bit for what you've done for me. And that feels so good. Indebtedness also questions the heart of God. Just think about it for a minute, right? Is our salvation free if we have to pay it back? Is it by grace through faith if we are paying back to God for saving us? How how is that God's heart that we see in the gospel? It it doesn't make any sense. The third problem with indebtedness, and I think this is the worst one, it undermines the core of the gospel because it creates this idea in our head that we still owe something. And that's not the gospel. What does the gospel say? It is finished. It is paid in full. So what do we owe God? Because if we still owe God, then by paying back by our serving, are we contributing to our salvation? Are we back at works? Yeah. Yeah. So can you see the grain of truth, gratitude, but gratitude, if it leads you to a sense of indebtedness, is not gospel because it brings you into bondage. And that's not Jesus. So the alternative, the second path that gratitude ought to take you on is love. Is love. And when serving springs out of a heart of love, that's biblical serving. That's biblical serving. And that's the missing link that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. Because in that context of using your gifts between chapter 12 and 14, he sticks the chapter of love in. And he begins that section that often gets read in weddings, has nothing to do with weddings. But he begins that section with talking about how we can do these extraordinary acts of service. But if we don't have love, we gain nothing, we are nothing, it counts for nothing. And I think he's trying to say it empties our soul. It, it, it will crush us. It will kill us because it's not coming from love. And the best example of healthy serving is probably the sinful woman. And what Jesus says in that parable when she anoints Jesus and her display. And again, you are familiar with this story. And I just want to pick it up in verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him. This is the language of indebtedness, right? We've been talking about. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Gospel. No more debt remaining. 
Now, which of them will, what does it say? Love him more. Not serve him more. Not give him more. Not anything else that looks anything like volunteering. But will love him more. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the biggest debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then it goes on. And Jesus then speaks to the woman. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Not her great service, not her great sacrificial act. Her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus doesn't have a problem with gratitude. He has a problem with indebtedness. See, the, the kind of serving that Jesus is looking for is serving that flows out of a heart of love. Gratitude that has led to love that overflows in serving. It's a critical link. If we take that out and put anything else in the middle, we'll end up in bondage and slavery. And I meant to say this earlier, but it feels like this is the right time to say it. All of these things result from a wrong attitude, a wrong mindset, a wrong perception of who God is, what he's like. And in some ways, particularly the second one, and this is the thing that really challenged me when I read this book. When we think that we need to give things to God to get, we're being more like pagans than Christians. Because that's what the pagans used to have to do. Because their gods were angry, unpredictable, capricious you didn't know whether he was having a good day or a bad day so what they used to have to do is have to offer sacrifices to him to get him on board to get him on your side before you went on a voyage before you planted your seed so that he would give you his good blessings and so you'd have to offer these sacrifices to make sure that he was on your side and he'd do what you wanted him to do that's what we're doing when we bring our serving to God we're a sacrifice of serving and we expect God's blessing we're doing the same thing. We're, we're treating God like a pagan God. But see, what does the Bible tell us about God? Well, Romans 8, and it's been referred to in our prayer meeting, and we've alluded to it, tells us that God has given us his son. That's his greatest blessing, his greatest gift, his great. And then Paul goes on to say, if he's given you that, why will he withhold any other good blessing for you? You don't have to barter with God. You don't have to twist his arm. You don't have to negotiate. You don't have to kind of strike a deal. You don't, you don't have to do any of that. And Jesus reminds us, he said, come on, you're, you're fa you, you earthly fathers, you know how to give your kids good gifts and you don't think my father knows how to give you good gifts? Really? You, you think you, your, your best way forward is to bring your bargain to God to get from him? Your serving, your resume, when he's already given you every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he's promised to care for you and to provide for you and to look out for you, to, to, to bless you and to make you fruitful and to do all of those things in Christ. It's already done. It's already finished. It's already accomplished. Smash the pole vaulting bar. Throw it away. You don't need it. And just receive from your heavenly father all that you need. Trust in his promise. You know, Hebrews 11 verse 6 when he talks about faith, and believing God, it says you need to believe that God is and a rewarder of those who what? Seek Him. Him. Not His gifts. Not His blessings. 
Him. That's who He rewards. That's what He longs for, intimacy with you, for everything you do in your life to flow out of love for Him. And the only way you're going to know that is the more you receive His love for you. See, Jesus is more interested in what you do in your heart than what you do with your hands. Let me say that again. Jesus is much more interested in what's happening in your heart than what you do with your hands. And so as I conclude, I want to end that way. I'm going to ask the band to come up because I want to sing that song we sang, Great Are You, Lord. Because like I said, the fundamental thing that we need to change if we want to serve in a healthy way is to examine our heart and correct our wrong attitude about who God is and see him as the loving, gracious, heavenly father who is for us in Jesus, who has redeemed and rescued us so that we don't need to earn his approval to get our right standing with him through the good deeds that we do. And incidentally, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're really religious, maybe you grew up in a really religious environment, maybe you grew up in a different denomination and you you somehow embrace this idea that I've just got to be a good person. I've just got to do plenty of good things to get myself over the bar so God approves of me, God is pleased with me and God will make me his child and he will accept me and I will, I will have the, the, the assurance of his forgiveness and being in heaven with him. I want to tell you that the Bible says that that's not going to get it. You, you can't do it on your own strength. You need Jesus, his perfection, his sacrificial death on the cross. That is the only thing that will save you. And it is a gift and it is free and it is unconditional. And if you haven't received that gift, you can do it today, whether you're here, outside or online. You can do it today by asking God to forgive you. It is the way of the sinner in that first story. It's the way of the guy who can't even look up to God because he's so ashamed of his inadequacy, of his failures, that he, he beats his breast and he cries out and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That is how you get the attention of God by crying out for His mercy and receiving it freely, unconditionally and allowing Jesus to change your heart, fill you with His love so that you can serve out of a right attitude. invite you in this moment, why don't you bow your head, close your eyes and search your heart or better still, allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart around this question. Why do you serve? What motivates you to serve? What's going on in your heart? Do you see any of these unhealthy views working in your heart? Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. you stand and again can I reiterate no condemnation that's not the Jesus way but if you feel convicted as we sing I encourage you do business with God ask for his forgiveness readjust and realign your vision to who God really is 
as we sing, remind yourself how great our God is, how great His love is for you. And receive His mercy, His forgiveness, His love poured out into your heart. Let's sing together. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'd love to pray for you this morning. If the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and convicting you and challenging you, or maybe you just feel so overwhelmed, and that picture at the front describes where you're at right now. Well, we don't want you to leave here without being prayed for. We'd love to pray for you. And also, if you, if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about surrendering your life to Jesus, Maybe you've been really religious, a lot more like the older brother than you care to admit, trying to do enough to please God and to get His approval. I encourage you, come and let us pray with you and help you understand what it means to surrender to Jesus, to receive His free gift of salvation. Or if you have anything else you'd like prayer for, whether you're sick or you have a need, our prayer team would love to pray with you. And so I ask that as we finish and dismiss, if you can respect this place and make it a place of prayer, we just want to really believe that in this moment, something supernatural can happen for people. And God can touch them and change the course and destiny of their life. And so it's sacred Holy Spirit work that goes on here. And we ask you to do that. Let me bless you as you go. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all as you go into this week. May you serve Jesus well out of the overflow of love in your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. It's Mission Sunday. It's warm weather. Make sure you wear something missional. Enjoy coffee and tea outside. If you'd like prayer, please come.
Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.